Well, that was pretty good. You know, I don't, I don't think I got nothing for you after what Wendy just did. So I think uh, we will just uh, end her here, right? That's awesome. That was great. But I do want to, I do want to be very honest and clear with you uh, here this morning. You will not get any candy out of me after what I say. So I'm just, just telling you right now, there's not going to be take fives at the door for anybody. But I'm glad that you're here this morning. Glad you're streaming with us online. And that is we continue in our series called Black Ops. This whole black operation of this deception, this secret movement to take out the enemy. And the enemy actually is you. The enemy is me. And the one who wants to take us out is the evil one, the devil, Satan. He wants to take us out of our relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants us to drift. He wants us to deny. He wants us to pack our bags, and leave our relationship, our position in Jesus Christ. And so that's why the Apostle Paul talks about the importance of spiritual warfare. Now, growing up, everybody here in the room learned three words. You learned three words if you were caught on fire. What's the first word? Stop. What's the second word? Drop. The third? Roll. Stop, drop, roll. Congratulations. Your kindergarten teachers would be like, they'd be like, they remembered. Right? Everything we needed to know we learned in kindergarten, right? That's what they say. But as Christ followers, when it comes to the attacks of the enemy, there is another phrase that we need to learn. And the phrase is this. To put on... Take up and be strong. Repeat after me. Put on, put on, take up, be strong. Why is that? Because of what Paul says in Ephesians 6 that we have been going through. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so we need to put on, take up, be strong as Christ followers. And so what does it mean to put on? In Ephesians 6, 11, it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. It is God's armor that we put on. It's not an armor that we produce, that we make up, but it is one that God gives us It has been tested, it works, and it provides us victory. It's in him that we have this armor that we put on. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 33, and in verse 16 to 18, it says this, No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope is in his unfailing love. You see, it's in his armor. It's in his provision. And he says for us to put it on. Secondly, then, he says for us to take up. In Ephesians 6, 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
He says, in addition to this, in addition to what? What Wendy said, that first off, we were to put on what? The belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the footing for our feet, and we are to wear that continuously. But then now there's a shift in the descriptor of the armor to now things that we are supposed to take up. We are supposed to grab hold of. So if you think of a football player, when they go out onto the field, they come out of the tunnel, they are dressed to play football. But before they step onto the football field, what do they take up? They take up their helmet, right? A tennis player goes out onto the court and is dressed to play tennis, but what does the tennis player take up? It takes up their racket. An individual who works on vehicles, a mechanic, shows up at work, they are dressed as a mechanic, they step into the service area when they are going to work on the engine, what do they take up? They take up their tools. So Paul is saying here, take up whatever gives you an advantage over your enemy. So every warrior, athlete, student, business person, teacher, construction worker, uses technology and resources to give them an advantage, to give them victory. This last week, I was watching a cooking show with my daughter called Sugar Rush. And it's all about making desserts, and you know how it is, you know, teams against teams and that. And it comes down to the last two teams that have three hours to make this, like, massive cake to their choice and design and that. And the one team starts out by measuring 55 cups of flour, one cup, two, three. The other team snickers at them and says, hey, you guys, haven't you ever heard that you like can just use weight? And it's a lot faster. And so they just dump all purpose flour in this big bowl and they just weigh it out within like a minute. They have what they need. And they took advantage of the resource so that they could overcome their opponent. And they ended up winning. In the movie, 300, we get this picture of Paul saying, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, these arrows coming after us. In the movie 300, it's about a victory of 300 Spartan soldiers who overcame the incredible, forceful, and large Persian army. And in this clip, I want to show you, they are coming towards the city. The Persian army launches this cloud of arrows at them. And their only first protection is their shields. That's the design of a shield. It's the first protection against the enemy. So let's watch this clip. It's a little intimidating, isn't it? I mean, a couple arrows, you know, right? I mean, it's just like, but it gives us this picture of our enemy who wants to take us out, who wants to take us out of relationship with Jesus Christ. As children of God, 
our first line of defense against the fiery arrows of the enemy is our shield. We are to take up our shield of faith, Paul says. Put on the armor, take up the shield of faith. So what are some characteristics of then the shield of faith? Well, the first one is this. A Roman shield of that time was called a scutum. This type of shield was as large as a door and would cover the entire warrior. So when you came in and you're like, okay, why is there an arrow in the door? Right? It's there because I wanted you to be curious why it's there. And I wanted you to have this picture of how God provides us this shield of faith that covers us fully and protects us fully from the arrows of the enemy. Now, I actually shot an arrow into this door. I was down at our Sandy campus yesterday, and I had two doors, and I set them outside, and I was back in the parking lot, and I was shooting with my hunting bow arrows at the door. And that, and our uh, production guy on Sundays, Norbert, drove into the, into the uh, you know, parking lot there. He gets out, he's like, what in the world are you doing? You know, senior pastor, Saturday, I pull up, and he's in the parking lot shooting arrows at doors. What in the world? I've seen it all, right? But I want to give you this picture of the reality of our shield of faith, what God has provided for us. His protection, right? Such a shield wasn't just used for defense. It was also used for offense to, to push the enemy out of the way. These shields, when gathered together with other shields, can provide what they called a, a tortoise shell, basically a turtle shell against the enemy and the onslaught of the enemy. Shields were often made out of wood. Then they were covered at times with a hide, which they dipped in water, so that if there were flaming arrows, those arrows would be put out. In reality, as Christ followers, our shield of faith as well is made of wood. It's the wood of the cross of Jesus Christ that puts out any flaming arrows that come at us, even the flaming arrow of death itself. He has overcome it, and we overcome it as well. He has given us eternal life in him. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says this, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So the first characteristic is that it's as big as a door. It protects our whole being. The second characteristic is that the characteristic of the shield of faith is faith itself. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance of what we do not see. Satan's attacks can sometimes cause us to doubt God, right? Faith prompts us to believe God. We give in to temptation when we believe what Satan has for us is greater than what God has promised us. Faith reminds us that though fulfillment of God's promise may not be readily visible right before us yet, that we can ultimately trust in him. He is faithful. When Satan attempts to plague us with doubt or entice us with instant gratification, 
Faith recognizes the deceptiveness of the attacks and can quickly extinguish the flaming arrows. When I started this series a couple weeks back, I talked about that Satan's number one goal is to get us to move our luggage. Remember? And I talked about don't move your luggage. He wants us to get us to move our luggage out of the heavenly realms in relationship with Jesus, secure in him, and to leave Jesus' presence in our relationship with him. That's his number one goal. Every day he rolls out of bed is to get us to deny Christ, to deny our relationship, to deny who we are in him, to pack our bags and leave our relationship, move out in our relationship with Jesus. That's his desire every day. And that's why I handed out this sheet. What is the truth about me? And there's some in the lobby as well. Because Satan wants to say, hey, I am unlovable. But what God's words say of us? We are loved. Satan wants to say, hey, you are so unacceptable. But what does God say about us? You are acceptable. Satan says, you're no child of God. Look at you just blew it. Jesus says, hey, you're forgiven because of what I did on the cross. And your shield of faith is made from the wood of that cross. You're acceptable before me. Faith is a protective barrier between us and the schemes of Satan. When we believe God and take him at his word, we remain grounded in truth. The lies of the enemy lose their power and we become overcomers. In that way, faith is our shield. You see that picture up there as we're in God's word. We are reminded of who we are, our position in him, the victory we have, and it's his shield around us. And so the characteristics of this shield of faith is that it's big enough to protect us, that it is a characteristic of our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ. And then lastly, it is a communication to us, to Satan, and to others. Often shields were painted to identify who the soldier represented and who the soldier was protected by. So in that clip, the shields of those soldiers were shaped and also designed to represent the Spartan community. They represented them and they were protected by them. Our shield has a cross on it. We are protected by Jesus Christ. We represent Jesus Christ. That is the communication. I love what it says, this descriptor we have in John chapter 1 of who we are in Jesus. John chapter 1, 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. You are a child of God. That is your position. That's where your luggage is. That's where you live. But the enemy wants you to relocate. And Jesus says no, because you have the shield of faith to protect you. So put on the armor. Take up the shield of faith. And if you do so, then you can live within the third. Be strong.
be strong. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's in his mighty power. When I first became a Christ follower before my senior year in high school, I had been a runner prior to that and was still running and still do today. But I came across a scripture passage that I ended up writing over my running shoes so that as I ran, I saw the scripture passage. And it comes out of a familiar passage out of Isaiah chapter 40, 29 through 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You see, ultimately, God is saying our strength comes from him. And our strength comes when we put on the armor he has designed us to have. When we take up the shield of faith that is designed to protect us as well. And as we do so, we can be strong. Satan's pretty intelligent. He's a smart guy. Like most enemies, he doesn't make himself obvious. We read in John chapter 4, Jesus is sent out to the wilderness for 40 days. He's not eating anything. He comes out of the wilderness, and the first area that Satan meets him in is the temptation of bread. Hey, have something to eat. And then he tempts him three other times, but every time Jesus quotes scripture to him, and puts out these fiery arrows. Now, at the end of the temptation, it doesn't say, and Satan left him forever because he couldn't beat him. No, there's an interesting line. It says, he left him for the opportune time. He left him for the opportune time. Means that's all right. <laughs> Maybe not today. But maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, I'll just wait, I'll wait them out. And if we read the Gospels, we see other times where Satan tried to come in and keep Jesus from going to the cross. Opportune time. Martin Luther, the great reformer, was battling it out with Satan. The spiritual battle was so real that Luther picked up an inkwell full of black ink and threw it, and it splattered against a white wall. He refused to paint the wall as a reminder of just how fierce the spiritual battle against the enemy's fiery arrows can get the reality of it. And when it comes to Christ followers and the fiery arrows of the enemy in our life, we are not going to overcome by stopping, dropping, and rolling. 
We will only overcome by putting on, taking up, and being strong. Putting on, taking up, being strong. In what Jesus has provided for us. And so that's why here this morning, I wanted us to partake in communion as a reminder of what Jesus has done for us. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget the power of the cross. It provides you to overcome and to live as I have called you to live, with joy, with peace, contentment, victory. And so in a moment, I'm going to invite you to come out, just go out to your right, come to any open station, grab a wafer, dip it in the cup, pause, and then read the sheet. Put on, take up, be strong. Because this is what Jesus has done for you in the cross. The elements are safe for everybody. It's gluten-free, it's grape juice. But let's celebrate the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your victory that you've given us, for all that you provide through the cross, through your son, Jesus. And Jesus, we celebrate this morning what you have done for us and the victory that you give. Your body, your blood, is a shield, a protector of our life. And we thank you. In your name, amen. Come.